Previously on the Mortal Temples. It's our loss, not just mine. Mad Bank will certainly mourn for him. He was a good man. The best. Thought I saw him last night. Murder? What man is he to fuck Grace and rule my life? Your own brother! I have new purpose, Hayden, though keep your tongue between your teeth. Father, I thought she would prick me, or... Did, did she say anything? No. I do hope she's the reason for her change. Mm, me too. I never loved you. She is rude, and I was a fool. Why should I regret what I did? My ambition isn't my fault. It's yours. Don't you know me? I wish I didn't. You've married one brother and now sleep with another. Hands up, Harper. What have you done? I thought him someone else. Kellogg Callum, where's Peter? He's dead. What are you saying about my sister? Olivia drowned in the docks. They found her body on the incoming tide. What do you propose? A match. Blunted blades, but I'll sharpen yours. Let it look like an accident. A hit! Harper, have a drink. Grace, no doubt. Wait a bit. Callum, what does it matter if she drinks? Grace is fine. She just doesn't like fights. No. It was the way. What have you done? You've changed knives. No, Callum, she's hit me with the knife. Harper, my knife was poisoned. I'll pierce you. Not if I pierce you first. Fiery Floods Theatre Company presents an original audio drama, The Mortal Temples, Into the Lion's Den. Don't you all have jobs to be at? We have taken the day off. This is a day for celebration, not for work. And if you all take the day off, what happens to our land then? You would not want the farmer to take the day off, the butcher or the baker. Well, then it's a good thing I'm not a farmer. And what do you do? I mend bad souls. Do you hear this clown cross? Pay them no attention and help me get this bunting away before Lyons comes. Be serious. What is it you do? What I don't do is mess with the purses of men or the hearts of women. My world is supported by leather and stitches. And why are you all here? To be an honest man, I must make an honest living. And what a better way to do that than wear the materials of their shoes so as to make more business for myself. <laughs> Savage, stop gossiping and come and help. A bit of weight off of Lion's ego should make his trajectory more horizontal. You are hypocrites, all of you. If we were to be strung up on the gallows tomorrow, you would still come for the show. When sparrows crowed their glory in these streets, you'd wait up all night just to see their shadow. Don't celebrate our win when you would just as quickly celebrate our downfall. Uh, save your breath. You're starting to sound like an old woman. Would you rather lecture the people on something which is alien to their nature, or diminish the ego of an apprentice megalomaniac? Point made. Quickly now. We are meant to be in the courtyard already. Everybody hush your mouths. Victor speaks and cannot be heard above your din. Maisie! Here, my lord. Make sure to stand where Cross may see you during his speech. I shall make certain to keep her in my sight, my lord. 
And do not forget within that pretty little speech of yours to make a certain gesture towards my lady, so as to stop that hole in her womb remaining empty. It is said, though whispered more accurately, that the Baron, when indicated on this auspicious day, will be infertile no more. I will not forget, though it is good to remember that you have another son. When Lion says do it, it is done. The son that no court would note as being my heir? It is foolish to think of him as anything other than the bastard son he is. Stop trying to put a crown on him when no crown rests upon me. It was just a suggestion, and not a bad one at that. Cannot forge an heir from oxygen alone. So it would seem. Now all of you get going. There must be no ceremony, no speech, no dressing left out. My Lord of Sunfall. Who wants my attention now? Must every person yell my name into the air as if it were the answering cry to a prayer? Peace, people. Be still. For Jupiter's sakes, who is it that uses their vocal cords so harshly upon the syllables of my name? It is at several decibels higher than the music and a great deal less agreeable. Speak again and I might find you now the gaggle has stopped. Beware the full moon of March and the blades that shine in its light. Who is talking? I believe that woman is telling you to beware of full moons in March. Do I wear a pointy hat and have a cat about my heels? Do I whisper over boiling pots and dance naked around silver pools? Not that I'm aware of. Get her before me so I may see whether she looks as mad as she sounds. Come on, dear. Don't be scared of a few men. If you have the courage to speak, you may as well have the courage to walk forward. Come on, then. Say it again. Beware the full moon of March. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Another dreamer in this land of nightmares. Let us leave her to her illusions. Come on. <laughs> well, Savage, will you go and see the procession? No. Oh, why not? I will persuade you. I am not a party-goer, Cross. I lack the young spirit and quick wit of your brother. So don't let me stop you from your celebrations. I will leave you to enjoy them without me. I have observed, and mark me if I am wrong, that I have lost the gentle gaze and care from your eyes that I have grown used to enjoying. You appear to have changed your tune towards a friend who loves you. You do worry unnecessarily. I have not changed my tone towards you, only to myself. Lately I have been torn between two polar mindsets of which I cannot make up my mind. Perhaps the sourness of this inability to make up my mind has translated into my behaviour towards friends, of which, dear Cross, I observe you among. While we have peace in our lands and celebrations on our streets, do not think of my neglect as anything more than a reflection of the war which has seen no armistice inside myself. Then I apologise for my mistake. I meant no offence. But my heart has lately buried thoughts of value and great musings. Tell me, Savage. Can you see your face? No. As far as I am aware, there is no way for my eyes to see my own face while they remain attached in the sockets. However, within reflection, I can see other things, which is, after all, the point of eyes. <laughs> Very true. Though it is sad that there is no such way for you to see your worthiness as the rest of Sunfall sees it. You know, it is whispered in the hallowed halls of this land, except by lions, of course, that if only under this yoke of ages, Savage could see his worth with his own eyes. What silliness are you dragging me into, Cross? 
flattering me as you are to try and get me to see myself, not as I am, but as you wish me to be? Well, then, be prepared to hear of who you really are. Since you cannot see your own worth, I shall act as your mirror and tell you of what you are blind to. If you see me as a clown, a backstabber, a flatterer, or a man of words rather than action, then hold me in question until the evidence of my character speaks for itself. What are they braying about now? I hate to say it, but I fear the people will choose lions as their leader. Really? Then, am I able to reason that you would not wish such a situation to occur? No, I would not wish it to happen, Cross, despite how much I may love him. But you have kept me here long, and I am beginning to think you want to tell me something. If it is for the general good, then remember to have death in one eye and honour in the other. But remember that I look on both indifferently, and while I hold honour highly, I do not have cause to fear death. And I do not forget that virtue within you, Savage. It speaks before you open your mouth. For me, my story is steeped in honour, and I do not know what take on this life the rest of you may have, but for me, I do not see myself as less free than Lyons was when he was born, and I do not intend to end it less so. You should not either. We have eaten as well as he has, fought as well as he has, shivered in the cold as he has. When he asked me if I would swim to a point across a ford, I was the first to dive in, and he followed me, not the other way around. When he tired to the point of drowning, it was me who held him across the torrent, carrying him to safety. And now? Now I must bend to him. I must contort myself like a beast in the circus to meet his whims. Cross, who saved lions and could have held the crown upon his own head if not for the knowledge that without these arms, that great man would have died. Those lips which have rallied strangers have cried to me of sadness. Those eyes which have planned volley after volley have begged me for water when none was available. It baffles me how such a feeble spirit could have rallied the world and hold it in the palm of his own hand with not a grain falling to another. Another swarm. Which honours are they heaping on his head now? <laughs> the joys of being a leader who strides the world like a colossus while we shiver behind his ankles, then rush into early graves. But we are, at one time or another, masters rather than slaves of our fates. The fault is not in the gods, in the heavens, or fate that he, rather than we, are upon that podium. It is our own fault. And there the blame rests. Savage and lions. What makes it so that lions is heard upon the lips of the mob more than savage? Say them aloud. Both are as strong, as striking and commanding. Weigh them, write them, carve them, conjure with them. Neither sounds more worthy than the other. And yet lions is the one which is shouted from here to the hush of that last sparrow survivor, Olivia. Why? What does lions consume that makes him greater than you? Our age is shamed. Sunfall has lost a lineage of noble blood. You and I have both heard our elders talk of a savage that would challenge the devil himself to keep the throne of Sunfall for himself. Of your flattery I am moved, 
and your love strengthens my own wars. But for the time, I have no move to make on the items which you have laid before me in such a detailed manner. Give me time, and I shall think on it, and in time we shall meet again so I may hear your points and have better answers than the ones I can currently provide. But bear in mind this, as matters lie in current circumstance, Savage would rather be a penniless villager than head of this great state. Such are the trials our times have in store for us. I am glad if my feeble oratory has sparked some understanding inside your honourable heart, Savage. It is such times that call for men like you. Ah, the fun must have ended if they are all crowding back to here. I will give you a tip. Catch the sleeve of Lady Turner and she will tell you what happened without you having to go through the mental pain of actually witnessing it. She doesn't look to be in a good mood. Ha! <laughs> was she ever? But she will tell you all you need to know after moping about it in her sour fashion, but that is her way. That is all very well, but I think something must have occurred. See the frown on Lyons, the paleness of Maze's cheeks, and Chloe looks as we have seen her so often when caught in the crossfire of a debate she is losing. Naomi will tell us what has happened. Cross? Yes, my lord? Yes, my lord. Not you. You. Collect for me a group of individuals who are lazy and not given to the small hours. Mark has a hungry look about him which makes me wary. Such individuals are dangerous. There is no need to fear him, my lord. He's not dangerous, but very loyal and shall do as you tell him. As much as you might paint him so, he is not a well-fed dog. Would that he were a little less given to thinking and action, and more so to carbohydrates and pudding. While I do not fear him, I do know that I should avoid him. He reads too much, is far too astute, and has no smiles or taste for frivolous pursuits such as others do. Rather like you, Robin. Such men as him will never be content while other men rise to be greater than they are. Therefore, I must view him as a dog who has not been fed. Bear in mind that I am not telling you what I fear, just what should be feared, because, always, I am lions of sunfall. Now, follow me and tell me on my right-hand side, for this ear is not as sharp as it used to be, what you think of him without fear of being overheard. Well, what do you want? What do I want? You pulled my sleeve. I was hoping you could tell me what happened today to make Lyons look as he did. Well, why are you asking me? You were with him, weren't you? If we had been, he would not be asking you now. Well, they offered him a crown. A crown? A crown. And when he was offered it, Lyons pushed it away with the back of his hand. Really? The people went mad for it. Ha! <laughs> Did they now? Well, what was the second noise for? The same thing. But they shouted three times. Exactly the same as the first and the second. No. Really? They offered him the crown three times. Just so. And every time they offered it to him, he put it back. Each time more gently and more firmly. And the people loved it. That they did. Who offered him the crown? Well, Robin, of course. Uh, describe it more. Tell me everything. I could be killed for telling you this. 
it was merely a play, Savage. I did not pay much attention to it. Plays are for the idle, and I am not idle. But I did see Robin give him a crown. But even then, it was not really a crown. They had smelted the sword of the High Lord Callum of the Sparrows into a coronet of sorts. And, as I have already described, Lyons refused it three times. From where I stood, it looked like he could not bear to touch it. By the third time, the people were nearly ravenous for the action, like a dog who sees first one squirrel, then another, and knows there is a nest near. They bayed and howled and threw up their sloppy caps and raised their children in the air, chanting his name like a benediction. At this point, Lion swooned. Swooned? Rather like when one is confronted with consequence of violence. For my part, I dared not to laugh in case I breathed in the pathogens of the people and caught whatever it was had taken them. But why did Lion swoon? Well, it was less like a swoon. I'm sure you have seen a swoon. It is silent and rather, well, of an end to itself. Lyons fell to the floor and started foaming at the mouth. Utterly speechless he was. What did he say when he came to? Well, before he fell down, he caught on to the fact that the people were glad he had refused the crown. He asked me to open up his coat, then his shirt, and then he offered them to cut his throat. What? A risky game to play. We know how much the people like a show. What happened then? Words are rather like flowers. Actions are more like the first pistol fired in a war. For doubting him, I might as well visit the seventh circle. And then? Come on, stop with the conjectures. We don't have much time. Do you want to know what happened, or would you rather I give you a list of words and you can set the scene yourself? Go on. If you were a writer, I would have you sent me a note. Patience was never your strong suit. Both of you, hush. Put your pettiness to the side for a few more minutes. Well, then he fell down. When he came to, he begged that if he had done or said anything out of character, that the powers which be should forgive him and blame his weakness. Three or four women were sobbing out their hearts and forgave him on the spot, shining his soul and plating it in gold. I reckon if lions had slit the throats of their mothers, they wouldn't have reacted in any other way. And after that, he came away defeated and angry at himself. Just so. What of Chloe? What of her? Did she say anything? Of course. All in Crasa for what I could understand. What reaction did she get? Well, those who did understand stood and searched for recognition amongst others. And then they nodded and looked very self-important and left with smiles wreathed on their moronic features. By the by, Connor and Peter have been silenced for taking down the bunting and trinkets that littered the statues of lions. There was more play-acting. If I could remember it or care enough to recount it, I would. Will you have dinner with me tonight, Naomi? Not tonight. I have already been reserved. Then tomorrow? If I am alive and your food is worth eating. Then I will expect both of you tomorrow. Do that. Good night, both of you. What a blunt woman she's grown up to be. She was quick-witted when we were in school. 
as she is now in execution of any gilded project that comes her way. No matter how easily she may mask it with this jaded act, the rudeness is telling of her actions which allow us to ruminate over her words and hunger for more. Very true. Well, I'll leave too. Tomorrow, if you'd like to speak with me, I will come to yours, or you can come to mine. I will wait for you. Until then, think of the world. Well, Savage, though you're noble, I see that your honourable material may be made from what it is disposed to want. So it makes sense that similar minds remain with their likeness. Who is so pure that they cannot be seduced? Lions may not love me, but he loves Savage. If I were Savage and he were me, he should not humour me. Tonight I'll post some letters through his letterbox, all amounting to little notes which the people have sent to say how highly Sunful holds his name. I may slightly mention how Lion's ambition should be glanced at. After this, let Lion secure him. We will shake him, or worse times will continue. Naomi, have you brought lions home? Why are you so out of breath? Why are you staring so much? Doesn't this weather move you too? I have seen storms before, but when the winds rock the trees, when the oceans swell and rage and roar, but never until now have I gone through a tempest raging flames. Either the laws of heaven have totally broken down on a strike, or... or Else the world is too desirable for the gods, and it makes them want to send it into destruction. Well, I can't say it moves me in quite the same way. Do you know what I saw? Oh, it continues. Oh, Chloe, I have seen such sights. If I had not seen them myself, I would have thought it mad. A slave, I know him by sight, held up his left hand to a torch, but it did not burn. Fortunately, I had not put down my gun. On my way back from the capital, I met a lion. It gazed at me. Glazed eyes, it went surely by without a second glance. On a hill, a hundred women, mad with something I do not know and do not wish to know, swore with their fear, told me how they saw men. All in fire, they walked up and down the streets. Oh my. And yesterday, I saw an owl in the middle of the day, in the marketplace, hooting, shrieking. These are too many omens for one to take in 24 hours. Don't let them say these are their reasons. They are natural. I believe these are portent of the area they fall upon. Yes, that is strange. But you do know that people project things after their own ideas. Does Lions come to the capital tomorrow? Yes. Good night then, Naomi. Tonight is not one to be out in. 
Good night, Chloe. Who is it? A friend of Sunfall. Naomi? <laughs> By your tone, I could have guessed it was you from anywhere. Huh. Well, don't you have a good ear? Mark, this night is cursed. I could swear it. <laughs> what makes you say that? The gods. They are playing with us, and not in a nice way. Well, those who have seen the pitfalls and pains of this earth would agree with you. But also say that tonight is unlike any other. I have walked the streets, giving my fate to that which is beyond my control. Without such control, I have opened my heart to the chance of swords and pains. When lightning strikes, I have stood by its side even when its aim was true. And why did you tempt the gods so? It is natural for men to fear and tremble under the menacing mechanisms of the gods, who send such fateful pains to test and surprise us. I did not take you for a coward, Naomi. Those sparks of life and chances with fate are what the shields of Sunfall make. Or perhaps you do not want it to be so. You look pale and your eyes have the gaze of a soldier at war too long. You cast about in surprise and wonder at what the gods send your way in their impatience with us mere mortals. But consider the true cause of these. The tear of the child and cry of the old man. Why we walk about with such calculated objectives. It is because they wish us to wander the earth in such a state of fear and readiness. Now, Naomi, I will name you a man similar to this knight, one who thunders, lightens, turns corpses in their grave and prowls the street as a lion would. But he is no more human than you or I. He is no more full of the god's power than you or I. Yet he has grown higher than we sit and as wary as these strange flashes of power make us. You mean lions? If that is the man you wish to name, let it be him. For the subjects of this land have the bodies of their ancestors. The minds of their fathers grow stagnant in memory, and we are governed with the spirits and actions of our mothers as they cowered under the power of men, yoked to the powers they had not asked to govern them yet unable to throw it off through sheer lack of will. So it is. They say the senators tomorrow will make Lyons king. He will wear the crown they give him everywhere, from valley to peak, until we hit the lands of Whitehaven. I know where I will hold this dagger, then. Mark from the shackles of another man's will shall save Mark, who wishes to break free of his yoke. And the gods will make the weak strong and defeat tyrants through the limbs of your playthings. Bars and irons and barricades do much for the physical body, but they cannot affect the spirit. Yet life, weary as it is of these worldly chains, never stops to dismiss itself. Whatever the weight of tyranny that I do bear, I can shake off at will. For I have the key to the irons that the jailer forgot to take from me. As can I. As can every worker under the yoke of power dismiss and cancel the subscription his captive made him sign. So why should Lyons be a tyrant? <laughs> Poor man. I know he would not be a wolf, but he sees the people of Sunfall as sheep. 
The bushman, who wishes to make a furnace, begins his work with weak straws. Sunfall is fallen twigs, last autumn's detritus. If all its services to illuminate is the gold-leaf-covered statue of lions, unfortunately I let my frustration lead me. And I have spoken so openly to you, who still wears the shackles of that figure, but I am armed and unafraid of the machinations of fate. Your words speak openly to me. There is no need to seal them in the fear of honesty when my own foot will go as far as the one which steps farthest. Now that is a point made with the fates that I will not allow to be taken back. You know, Naomi, that I have already spoken true to some of the finest minds of Sanfor to join me in a particular project of such honourable but dangerous consequences that I know they stay for me in the porches of Sunfall. This night speaks of the work we have ahead of us. Ignoble, smouldering, and steeped in blood as it is. Stay a while. Here comes someone who keeps their eye on the seconds ticking by. It is Gina. I can tell from his movements. He is a friend. I do not know whether I find it unsettling or admirable that you know us all so well by such distance. Find it unsettling. Admiration only wanes. I will take this paper and make sure to lay it where Savage may find it. I'll throw this in at his window if it is opened, or through his door if it is not. I will then join you all at the local. Are Savage and Benedict there yet? All but Benedict, and he's gone to find you at your place. You and I shall, before sunset tomorrow, see Savage at his house. We already have most of the ingredients sorted to make him ours. Upon the next sighting, he shall be baked, served and ready. He is well loved, and that would appear painful to us can be seen in his countenance, which makes even the darkest shadow glow in virtue and high-minded spirits. We have need of him, and that I can see you understand. Let's go before the sun rises, and is as sure of him as we are. Barry Floods Theatre Company in collaboration with Solemnico Creative Studio, presents The Mortal Temples, Into the Lion's Den. Directed by Alexander McIntosh. Written by Alexandra Seabire. Starring Peter Adams as Victor Lyons. Kira Balfour as Maisie Lyons. Matthew Wignall as Randall Savage. Edmund Farger as Mark Cross. Rob Fawcett as Robin Cross, Abby Stevenson as Morgan Murray, Amy Harrison as Naomi Turner, Molly Lockwood as Chloe. Additional voices provided by Peter Adams, Emily Victoria and Chloe Shepherd.